Attention all holiday patriots. The woke, radical left doesn't want you to know this. And frankly, I shouldn't be telling you it's very bad business. But you can get 25% off all Deprogram merch right now at deprogramshop.com. Help me put the Christ back in Christmas by buying a hoodie or maybe a dope hat for your grandma. I know she loves the Deprogram. All proceeds go directly to building a small cage for Meatball Ron, which is frankly more than he deserves. Come on, man. Enough with the cage thing. Eat my ass, Joe. You know he deserves the cage. I think he belongs in a cage. I think we all belong in a cage. We're a fallen species, a blight, little more than rats wallowing in our own self-importance. Oh, Jesus, not you too. How the hell did you guys get in the Oval Office? Shut up, Joe. I've got merch to plug. Use the code HOLIDAYPATRIOTS at checkout. That's one word, HOLIDAYPATRIOTS, and get 25% off your order or 30% if you're a patron. That's a great deal, folks. A lot of people are telling me it's the best deal they've ever seen, and I believe them. It's a great deal. Will you two get off my desk, for Christ's sake? It's not your desk, Joe. I scratch my name on it. Jordan, get your hog out. Uh, let's take a selfie with the D program merch. Don't do that. Don't take your bird out. It's too late. It's out. Look at it, Joe. I'm not going to look at it. Look at his penis, Joe. This is so fucked up, guys. Jordan, let me hold it. Nice little handful, isn't it? Very nice. Folks, remember to go get your Christmas merch discount by going to deprogramshop.com and using the code HOLIDAYPATRIOTS at checkout. Act fast. This amazing deal is only available through January 6th. Merry Christmas to all, even the haters and losers. I'm going to kill myself. Boys, I feel so blessed this morning. I was uh, <laughs> stuck with the baby for, you know, I love mm. Evie very much, um, but she bonked her little lip on the edge of the bed, oh, and she was crying, and she was grumpy all morning, and so that made me <laughs> late to the office to record this, and I was so yeah. hungry, but I was scrounging around, and I found one blessed hidden box <laughs> of ramen in the back of the yeah. cupboard, and I'm currently <laughs> slurping happily and getting ramen sauce all over my nice white shirt. Um, <laughs> how are your, you how are your mornings? <laughs> you I just thought, thought I was going to say, say skin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I thought you were going to say you had one of your dogs around. You like, I was so hungry. He was like, hey, you know what? It's 100 grams of protein. <laughs> I think it would be just munching on dog No, my day is all right. I have a mixed bag. By the way, I'm sorry Sorry if I sound like I just ate something. I, just, I did just recently eat something. I had some fruit roll-ups and now I'm having Yum. some... Hazelnut chocolate, what's it called? Remember I told you about the, the super low quality, God knows what, you know, with, with arsenic and sulfur in it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm still buying those. And by the way, the, <laughs> the, 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 you never know what you're going to get with these because sometimes you open it and the the bar is either like up upside down or downside up, if you know what I mean. Yeah, right side up. So the yeah. orientation, yeah, exactly right. Uh-huh. Um, and sometimes it's not even fucking whole, whole hazelnuts. <laughs> 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 but it, 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 it generally slaps. So I've been having some green tea. So excuse me, but... I have a mixed bag of um, random memories that came to my mind plus current events sure. that I can tell you about. Uh, I can tell you about one of the dearest things to my heart. This one I call accidental 9-11. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm joking on noodles. So it's only, so it's, so it's only your second favorite after real 9-11. Exactly right. Oh, oh here's... <laughs> so basically... Like, you know, we lost, like, I think, like, 700 videos of a YouTube channel because we say shit like this. Yeah. And I like, give them shit, don't say shit like this, and I just said shit like yeah. this. Yeah. Hey, YouTube person looking at this. Yeah. Fucking joke. Okay, thank there you very much. Dear God. Yeah. <laughs> I think, well, it's two of them got to take enough for hate speech. Let's go. Yeah, hate speech. Like, us hate speech. I, mean, oh, I understand if it's just my channel hate speech. Okay. 
okay. Yeah, you know, I'm from the Balkans. It's kind of a thing. But these two guys, no fucking way. Yeah, we don't hate anybody. Asterisk. Yeah, aside from the French, but anyway, uh, so don't get Hakim started on the Kurds, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Anyways, so um, when I was uh, when I was a young lad, I uh, got very interested in programming for a little while, and uh, I got interested in the concept of oh, maybe I want to be a video game developer one day because I mm -hmm. used to play a lot of video games. I think most young kids have yeah. this idea. Um, I got pretty decent, I would say, at programming. And I decided I wanted to make like a little like a flying game, like playing game. <laughs> so, so I decided I coded this thing. I modeled some some very basic planes, and uh, I started you know running uh, the game, trying to see if you know like uh, how do how the flying mechanics work and whatnot. And it was working out pretty well. Um, and I was like, hey, you know what? Uh, I need. I think I need to put some obstacles on like the plane, like on the in the field. Oh God. So I can fly around them, so I can see like how good the the plane maneuvers. And I was doing this completely seriously. One day, I take my computer to school, and I sit with a a classmate of mine. I'm like, "Hey, I want to show you what I've been up to." Yeah, a close friend of mine at the time, uh, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, sure, sure, let's take a look." And then I was like, "Okay, just hit start, and then it's gonna start you." And you hit start, and you're a plane flying in the middle of the air, and there's two towers in front of you. And if you hit if you hit anything, the ground or the towers or something, there's an explosion effect, and uh, like you know, like you lose basically. <laughs> And, and the first thing that he did was he was just like checking out and then the, the plane crashes into the building and then he looked at me and was like are you making like a 9-11 like, what are you doing <laughs> oh, oh my god poor sweet oh, Hakeem I, 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 I also ripped some fucking um, like battle music from uh, some Japanese game I don't remember what it was now I love that um, but yeah like some some high energy like electric guitarist basically <laughs> yeah uh, Mario Kart ass music <laughs> It's playing in the background as you're crashing into the fucking. It's, oh, it's an Arab thing. No matter how yeah. like how hard they try, everything to do is everything they do is just 9/11. <laughs> yeah. You know exactly right. Oh my god! Again, YouTube YouTube reviewer, please God. <laughs> now he's always in my head. It's no longer liberals in the walls. Now it's, it's the, the YouTube, YouTube reviewer review. guy. Like Jesus Christ. Let's have him on the pod. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Honestly, reach out. Yeah. <laughs> he's a reviewer guy. Can we play that on stream? Do you still have that file? I think I may have it somewhere, oh, yes. I, I oh, yes, please. I may still have it somewhere. Find it. And so I'll, <laughs> I'll find it. And I'll <laughs> I, like, half, like, so many of our supporters and listeners are fucking programmers. If you if you gave it to them, I think it would take them 10 hours to turn into a proper 9-11. <laughs> the the officially so. programmed game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Go for the high score. Oh, Jesus. Um, detonate the explosives at the base of the <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult to beat the current high score uh, oh know what God. I mean oh, that was that was one another one was for some reason I was thinking about you JT and yeah, yeah, you yeah. unlocked a memory in me yes which I don't know how it's possibly related so uh, you go up Nick you, play, uh, you can be our psychoanalyst <laughs> for the day so Please, you can tell me what this go. means I was thinking of our beautiful baby boy JT and a memory of my mother returning from basically uh, the groceries or something uh, came to my to mind, and uh, she's trying to park her car, her old piece of shit beater car. <laughs> she's trying to park it, and there's one spot that she liked, but some guy had parked there, and she didn't like when people would take her spot, even though it wasn't her spot. It was a public <laughs> parking spot, but it was her quote unquote spot, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she uttered a a curse that's very common 
uh, particularly in Iraq, but in the Arab world in general, but specifically in Iraq, which is Tobak Satash Elif Marad, which specifically means may 16,000 diseases enter you <laughs> for somebody who took her, her parking spot and i always thought about i was like why 16,000 what is the specific number of diseases and disorders but yeah and my, the secondary question is why does why did jt bring up this memory i don't know <laughs> what but yeah i don't know okay don't check know. it out here you go i got this for you white man road rage groceries that is the extent of the white man's experience so i understand the connection here i also understand that uh taking someone's spot is mm. illegal uh and should be a capital <laughs> offense it's akin I, to war crimes yeah, yeah. Exactly right. I, I i think it goes much deeper than that so hakim you have a particular uh aspect of your internet personality that uh, you believe belongs specifically to you Mm. Uh, but nobody, ha- you have never defined it as specifically yours. Uh, and JT, you told me to psychoanalyze you. Mm. And, and JT intentionally or unintentionally, most likely unintentionally, just like the person who parked on your mother's spot, uh, sometimes takes up that uh, personality real estate, which uh, you believe is truly yours. Mm-hmm. And as such, uh, irritates you to an extent of cursing him uh, with <laughs> yeah. 16,000 diseases. Uh, this exactly. most likely is uh, him uh, stealing pretty much right under your nose the these nuts joke, which mm-hmm. you have proud. <laughs> began uh, this is probably him canonically very the first yeah <laughs> canonically the first thing i'm fucking I, I don't know where i'm taking this but uh, uh that, i want to understand yeah. how does this mesh with my overwhelming sexual desire for jt mm. this is what i want to know yeah yeah <laughs> well you want to park your car in his spot right <laughs> yeah. there we go <laughs> <laughs> let's go <laughs> Well, howdy, y'all. Welcome back to episode 109. We are back with the um, (laughs) second or third installment of Every President is a War Criminal. I can't remember if we've done two of these or three. I think we've done two before this one. I believe this is episode three. I think we did one. I don't uh, sound off in the comments. um, Let your very professional podcast boys know Mm. whether this is episode two or three of All Presidents are War Criminals. But if you haven't heard this one before, this uh, recurring format is we take three lovely world leaders, usually U.S. presidents because they're uh, low-hanging fruit, let's be honest, and we, uh, <laughs> we discuss how evil they were. And uh, today we have three lovely picks for you, I think. We've got everyone's favorite uh, <laughs> first man, and we've got everyone's favorite dude who bought human beings, and then we've got... Uh, the greatest fail son. Yeah. The greatest fail son, yeah. <laughs> Let's let's without further ado, let's jump right in. I'm going to start us off with one Andrew Jackson. Woo! Oh mm-hmm. shit! No, he was bad. Fuck. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. Wrong podcast. <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, friends, it was only a matter of time until we got to perhaps the worst president in U.S. history, Andrew Jackson. As you all know, Jackson rose to prominence after he was randomly selected to be featured on the $20 bill. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We are going to take a look at his obscure past, back in the days when he was just a lowly president. So let's start at the very beginning. On March 15th, 1767, unfortunately, Andrew Jackson was born. (laughs) His parents, Scots-Irish colonists, lived in the Waxhaws region of the Carolinas, which extends a bit beyond the borders of modern-day North and South Carolina. 
His father died at just 29 in a logging accident, presumably when a tree fell on him and squished him Looney Tunes style with his arms and legs sticking out the sides. <laughs> After his father's death, little Andy's mother moved in with relatives on a South Carolina plantation, giving Jackson an early taste for the good life, which of course meant a life waited on hand and foot by enslaved human beings. Jackson and his two <laughs> older brothers, Hugh... Woohoo, Frida! The <laughs> 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 <My> slaves! <laughs> they love slaves. We, everybody Back loves in slaves. the good old days, man! <laughs> I, I genuinely... Uh, side note, I, I, don't know, I don't understand the slavery thing. I, I cannot... I've tried to put myself in the shoes of a person back then, you know, a per, quote-unquote person of their time, and I cannot mm. fathom purchasing a human being to use as, like, a beast of burden. That's it's wild mm. to me. I don't understand and, the, and the whipping them. And Jesus Christ. Anyway, Jackson and his two older brothers, Hugh and Robert, all fought in the Revolutionary War. Hugh died of heat exhaustion after a battle, and Robert became <laughs> malnourished and contracted smallpox while a prisoner of the British. He and Andrew were eventually released as part of a prisoner swap, but Hugh died just a few days after returning home. Their mother also died young after contracting cholera while volunteering as a nurse for American prisoners of war. So mm. by the time Andrew was 14, he had fought in a war, and every member of his immediate family had died. Uh, from then on, he hated the British, his only redeeming trait, and supposedly came to despise all things he associated with the Brits, including, hilariously, given the rest of his life, aristocracy and political privilege. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forwarding a bit, Jackson eventually graduated law school. While traveling to accept his new position as a prosecuting attorney in what is today Tennessee, he made a brief pit stop to buy his first slave, a young woman about his age, which is a little sus, as you can mm. imagine. Uh, a few years later, Jackson had climbed up the social ladder and made some powerful friends in the legal profession. He got into land speculation, as there was plenty to steal from the natives. And shortly thereafter, he got married to one Rachel Robards. And in 1796, they bought their first plantation on a humble 640 acres of land. Mm. By 1804, Jackson had almost gone bankrupt. A financial crash and land speculation don't generally go well together. He had to sell his plantation and 25,000 acres he had acquired over the past few years. Jackson and Rachel downsized to a much more humble 420-acre plantation, which they called <laughs> the Hermitage where he decided oh, to become boy. a planter. Uh, if you don't know what a planter is, think Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Django Unchained, a rich white dude who runs a farming operation off the back of slaves. The hermitage would grow to encompass over a thousand acres of land, which made it one of the largest cotton plantations in the state. To work this land, Jackson relied on significant slave labor, starting with nine slaves in 1804 and owning over 150 by the time of his death. And that was just one point in time. Over the course of his life, Jackson owned over 300 human beings. He was also particularly cruel to any who attempted to escape. In one advertisement looking for a runaway, Jackson offered an additional $10 reward for every 100 lashes the captor was willing to give the slave, up to a maximum of $300. So do the math on that. If you're familiar with you know, how whipping works... That person would not survive. But okay, but if, if if the whipper would give him like bonus whips, but he wouldn't ask for more than 300, would he still whip him? Because like, it's, it's an economic question. Did, mm. did he limit his whips because he was, you know, had a speck of uh, humanity in him? Or because he didn't want to spend more than 300 bucks per whipping? I think it's... it's <laughs> Probably the latter, if I had to yeah, guess. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, Be economical with, with your whipping, but you like, small whippersnappers. Uh, look, <laughs> teaching his children. Oh, Lord. Let me look that up. Inflation calculator. Inflation calc you later. Let's see That's what a lot of money, $300 though. if in 17... 
Let's say 1780. Yeah. And 300 schmeckles. 300 would cost. Calculate. Oh, darn. They don't go back that far. Ah. Anyway, that's a lot, a lot of, money. of money. That's a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's let's have a quick skim of the highlights of Jackson's military career. In 1814, Jackson made a name for himself by winning the Battle of New Orleans. He installed himself as a local tyrant, implementing martial law, a 9 p.m. curfew, censoring the newspaper, jailing a congressman, a judge, and a district attorney, refusing the right to trial, threatening to execute some people, actually executing some people on fraudulent charges, uh, banning Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, he also had six of his own men executed for attempting to leave town before their term of service expired, which was a really absurd thing to do because the war was over. This behavior was a pattern for Jackson. He was known to be cruel, manipulative, he had an explosive short temper, and he was not afraid to use whatever power he had to make sure people he thought deserved punishment were punished. Moving on to his political life, Jackson had his sights set on the presidency by 1824. It was a close race, but he lost out to John Quincy Adams. After the loss, Jackson's supporters created a new party with the explicit goal of making sure Adams only got one term, which they probably didn't need to do because people couldn't stand the guy anyway. Everyone thought he was an elitist snob, you know, like all American presidents are, but Adams genuinely acted like it. Jackson won the 1828 election in a landslide, with 56% of the popular vote and 68% of the electoral vote. Now he had real power. So let's talk about what he did with it. Jackson's presidency is seen as the official start of the U.S. policy of genocide against the Native Americans. From his earliest days in office, Jackson supported southern states extending their legal jurisdiction into Native land, and he refused to use federal authority to protect Native rights. What he did use federal authority for was the forcible separation of Native Americans and whites. In 1830, Jackson passed what was called the Indian Removal Act, a plot to relocate Native Americans west of the Mississippi. So, in theory, this was supposed to be voluntary relocation, but it didn't actually work out that way. Jackson's goal was to get them out by any means necessary, which usually meant fraud, bribery, or violence. And when tribes outright refused to move, Jackson went to war with them, butchering as many as it took until the tribe complied. Those that did comply faced horrific marches to the west. 4,000 Choctaws died of cholera, hundreds more from hunger or exposure. A full quarter of eastern Cherokees died in the process of being rounded up and shipped off. All told, Jackson forcibly removed at least 70,000 Native Americans from the United States. He killed untold thousands who resisted, and he stole some 170,000 square miles of land. But because one crime against humanity simply wasn't good enough, Jackson planned to use the land he stole for plantation farming. Once again, powered by slave labor. He also wasn't big on the whole free speech thing, because when abolitionists began distributing flyers calling for justice, he said these people were monsters who should atone with their lives. That's ye old American speak for, hey, you guys should kill yourselves. <laughs> he worked with the postmaster general to make sure these flyers and pamphlets were not distributed to the public, citing a concern that it could incite slaves to revolt. Imagine that. And that is pretty much Jackson in a nutshell. Uh, slaver, ethnic cleanser, petty tyrant, and just an all-around asshole. He died of a combination of illnesses at age 78 on June 8th, 1845. And do you want to know what his last words were, boys? Go on. You, you oh, what? go on. Lay it on me. Oh, here we lay go. Lay it on me. Ready? Don't cry. Be good children, and we will all meet in heaven. <laughs> How's that for <laughs> self-awareness from a dude oh my God. who owned over 300 people? 
Jesus Dude thought he was fucking Santa Claus, bro. Yeah. <laughs> look, it's it, look the 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 hell patch only comes in a three hundred and one. All right, so the guy was, <laughs> yeah, true, the guy yeah. was clear. My God. Oh my God! Animals, I swear to God. He's he's an interesting one. Says so like, thankfully, most Americans these days recognize Jackson was like a horrific person. But I wouldn't say he's even close to the worst president we've had. Like on a personal level, yes, he's an evil human being, uh, warmonger, a genocidaire, all that stuff. But in terms of like actual global impact, it's crazy to think that there are so many more that committed so much more evil than this tremendous piece of shit did. That's I yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, especially when you add a historical context to it. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not excusing having slaves and mass murdering Native Americans. Not at as, all. You know, it was a part of the of the era. Uh, but when you see somebody, especially from the 20th century, committing right. uh, similar levels of, of crimes in an era where, you know, you have like UN resolutions on what mm. you cannot do and shit, and then yet they still do it, it's uh, arguably yeah. even worse because they actually do not have the excuse of yo this uh, segment of uh, the you know human update patch yeah. called morality <laughs> uh, wasn't there yet etc etc yeah i mean the tw- in the 21st century with all the supposed you know checks balances international uh, ways to keep people accountable you know international criminal court international law all this stuff and somehow we still have american presidents supporting hating abetting uh, sh- uh, shoving propaganda for an ongoing genocide what the, p- perhaps mm. the most widely broadcast readily information available about genocide in history <laughs> so it's not yeah, like it's... you know these presidents have gotten any better in this enlightened era of the year of our lord 2023 excuse you these presidents haven't gotten any better Boy, do I have a president for you, and you're going to swallow those world words whole. Uh, as many mm. unfortunate unfortunate <laughs> people in his, in his administration may have had to do. So, All right. So my 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 president, by the way, of course, uh, Biden's not my president, but uh, <laughs> no, the the president that I'm signing to cover is Bill Clinton, yes. of all people, uh, or by Big his official DB. name. William Jefferson Clinton Blythe the third. Yes, this guy is uh, the third. So, <laughs> he's already a piece pause. Of shit. Blythe is on a, that's that's a way cooler last name than Clinton. I think. I yeah. think Blythe. Is, okay. He sounds like a pirate or something. Yeah, there is some lore there, by the way. Ooh, okay. uh, before we get onto this, by the way, Bill Clinton is officially the first Boomer president. Really? Uh, he was born in 1946. Yeah, he is officially the first Boomer president. So the beginning of the decline for some, but it was, it's been declining for a while. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so Bill Clinton was the 42nd president of the United States. Uh, he. He ruled, I guess, or his tenure was, or whatever the fuck his yeah. administration was from 1993 to 2001. Hold on, those aren't even years. What was going on? <laughs> well, he may have been impeached. <laughs> maybe, possibly, maybe. He didn't complete his term to 2001, but we'll get on complete. to that. Yeah, Lamau. Um, yeah, he got he, he uh, finished on the back end. Is that bad? Time? <laughs> All right. Um, so. His father, who was also William, by the way, which I guess makes him, that's why he's the third. His dad was the second, I guess. I don't know why people do this shit. But uh, his dad died of uh, drowning uh, after a car crash at the age of 28. And his dad was married five times at the age of 28. 
He was my married good, five no times. No way, man. What, yeah. How do you even do that? I don't. No, I don't. Don't ask me. Did uh, they all die? Did the wives die? Is there? No, some... no, no. He married and divorced. Married and divorced. That was just the kind of guy he was. Um, he so just maybe drowned with genes. all four of his wives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, I think he was on his own in that car. But um, yeah, so maybe it's in, it's in the blood why why Clinton was the way he was. But anyways, yeah. uh, his stepdad was uh, his his stepdad's last name was Clinton, and he took his stepdad's surname. Mm. Hence why he, he he is known as Bill Clinton. But Clinton at first uh, considered music as a young man, and then afterwards considered medicine. Uh, but eventually set it on law because he realized that that most that that is the most dishonest of the above professions. <laughs> so that's that's the one he'll go into. Um, in his in his like a. Uh, uh, foundational years he claims that two things were the most inspiring for him the first one was meeting kennedy um the president kennedy as part of something called the boys nation mm. which sounds very unpleasant this sounds this doesn't sound okay it also sounds like a <laughs> south african boy band or something yeah yeah it, it, at first it sounds like at first it sounds like a uh boy band and then it just sounds very unpleasant yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what boys nation is GT? No, no is it like the scouts or something yeah it's like some scout adjacent thing but it's like a federal shit and each year so a thousand of cringe. them are chosen yeah to meet the, the president or something uh. um so he has all of like two seconds shaking all these kids hands essentially and that's it but apparently this was a defining moment for him huh. uh and he was also uh impacted by martin luther king's uh i have a dream speech he was so um, overwhelmed by the speech that when he was president, uh, he continued Reagan-era uh, policies <laughs> <Yeah>. of, <laughs> of unfunded inner-city yeah. communities and mm. inc- increased incarceration. Uh, I mean, he was inspired to yeah. fight it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I heard this motherfucker speak. <laughs> mm. Time to do this. I have yeah, a dream, exactly. too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Oh lord! Hold on. If, if you're not if, if you're not already kind of offset by how insufferable this dude would have probably been, he was a class president. Uh, no, of course his, he like, was. High school, and he was, of, of course, course he was. Yeah, was he a hall monitor uh, too? Yeah. <laughs> what other fucking uh, dork shit was he? But anyways, um, he spent some time also in Oxford, uh, in the University of Oxford, uh, so in the UK, and then eventually came back to the US uh, to study at Yale. Uh, instead, so he only spent a small amount of time. But there's an interesting episode that happened during his time at Oxford, and I'll quote it to you. Mm. Um, this is from a British writer n- known as uh, Sarah Maitland. Uh, she said of Clinton, I remember Bill and Frank Ayler, which was a friend of his at the time, taking me to a pub in some current street in the summer term of 1969 and talking to me about the Vietnam War. I knew nothing about it. And when Frank uh, began to describe the napalming of civilians, I began to cry. Bill said that feeling bad wasn't good enough. That, <laughs> that was the first time I encountered the idea that liberal sensitivities weren't enough and you had to do something about such things. Things, huh. uh, which is yeah yeah yes but um, okay. but then, I love but then what <laughs> yeah then exactly. what? I love you said this but nothing or I mean the follow-through that he, he did have follow-through but not on uh, stopping napalming of kids oh. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> But anyways, uh, so with, as is typical with these liberal institutions, by the way, Clinton received an honorary degree uh, and even a fellowship from the University of Oxford when he was president uh, around 1994 for being, and I quote, a, a doughty, a doughty? It's like doe, the word doe, D-O-U-G-H-T-Y, huh. a doughty. I've know. never seen this word before. No. Uh, a doughty and tireless champion of the cause of world peace. That's what they claimed. Uh, now, hold on. Let me look up this word. <laughs> I should have done this Maybe earlier. like doe, so he was thick. 
It's dozy. It's, like, it's an archa- It's an archaic word that means brave and persistent, fearless, okay. dauntless, determined. Okay, um, interesting. You got the award, and then he stopped being that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> it, I think this is this is like the same vein of Obama getting the or, or Kissinger getting the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Um, he, he's a after bombing Yugoslavia, he was a champion of world peace. Hmm. Uh, after increasing sanctions on Iraq. But anyways, apparently, at least for a short bit when he was a kid, uh, like in uni, uh, he was a little bit based. He took part in some anti-Vietnam pro- uh, war protests as nice. a student. He then went on to meet uh, his wife, uh, Hillary Clinton, or Hillary, Hillary Rodham, as she was known, uh, in law school in 1971. At the time, after, like... Yeah, after that's the- what he changed! There you go! Yeah. You see, he was dope! He was pretty dope! Yeah. And then, <laughs> then, then Hillary... Oh, new theory! A new theory is exactly. building in my head. We need pretty to do an episode on her. Sexist, maybe, but, yeah. Uh, the queen oh that God. We can't, she yeah. never became president. I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ, oh, yeah. wow. oh, my God. Moving on from that, though, he... Uh, he Towards the end of his university um, like period and the beginning of his career, uh, he took part in the presidential campaign of a Democrat named McGovern, uh, who was a notoriously unpopular figure running against Nixon. He was like number five in the Democrat like uh, polling, uh, but for some reason he was still chosen as the guy to represent the the, the presidential bid for some fucking reason um, because of his out- name, bro. Like yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> McGovern. You- oh boy, uh, yeah, let's McGovern. let's McGovern the <laughs> the, the nation again. I don't fucking- <laughs> <laughs> I'm pissing and coming. <laughs> Do not come. Fucking, uh, continuing in the in the Democrat uh, tradition of of nutting where you're not supposed to. Uh, the the turnout for this particular election, general election, was fifty five percent. Uh, which is, of course, a sign of a healthy and vibrant yeah. democracy. By the way, it's not much better now no. <laughs> in the U.S. It's, it always hovers between 50 and like 65%. It's very bad. So if, if you're being extremely, this is a little side tangent, if you're being extremely generous, that means roughly 30% of the eligible U.S. electorate actually voted for Nixon, meaning 70% of the population didn't want Nixon yeah. as president. Uh, mm. Which, of course, by the way, completely healthy, vibrant democracy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in 1976, Clinton ran for the Arkansas Attorney General, which was his first real public office. And in another example of beautiful and vibrant democratic proceedings, Clinton ran and was elected with no opposition in the election. <laughs> <laughs> he was the only guy on the ballot that you can vote for. And uh, it was for a close race. Arkansas att- <laughs> yeah, by the way, Arkansas Attorney General, this is not like a, you know, your neighborhood watch or something. Yeah. Right? It's a, you'd think, anyways, um... We are told, apparently, it's only the filthy Soviets that had this, mm. um, which, by the way, is also a misunderstanding of the Soviet system, but I'm not going to get into that now. But no, no, the U.S. is a healthy democracy, and this is things working as they're supposed to. It wouldn't have mattered if he, was, if he ran contested, is my point. Regardless, from this spot, he launched himself into being elected as governor of Arkansas in 1978, and then in 1982, he was elected governor a second time, and he was governor for 10 years, basically, um, until he became president. So this was basically, this solidified his, his position. Mm. So him going from basically no political office to president was based on an <laughs> unopposed election <laughs> for uh, um, anyways that uh, moving that aside yeah <laughs> moving that aside uh, he became a leading figure of something that he termed himself uh, or well, that was termed like a uh, in a political science bullshit term the new, the new democrats mm. which is a uh, nonsense uh, culturally liberal on social issues oh, but i'm physically fiscally conservative on economic issues type Bleh. you know this every, brain rot what right? every middle class white person says they are yeah yeah exactly, mm, exactly yeah it's like i want more black people in prison but i smoke weed sometimes yeah uh, that's what that means <laughs> um 
<laughs> I don't want minorities in my neighborhood. There we go. We're going to get <laughs> but, both from YouTube again. They're going to hear that. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I'll have a gummy every once in a while. Yeah. Um, I'll buy it from the minority, but then I'll report them. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so this New Democrats was basically a clique within the Democratic Party that argued that Reagan is too popular. Uh, and the way to counteract his popularity was to go further right, to, to push the Democratic Party right in order mm-hmm. to counter the, you know, to take away from his, his, his support base, I guess. Yeah. Uh, now to remind you, the 1984 election that brought Reagan uh, into power had a turnout of 55% again, uh, and the electoral proportion that voted for Reagan was 30%, not the 31% for Nixon, 30%. Mm. It was less than for Nixon in the previous example. Th- these are not popular figures. This is no, not, this is a mockery of the bullshit of, but anyways, moving aside to kind of like his tenure, I guess, uh, when he was in Arkansas, the only good thing that he did, I would say that I've, I've read through this entire thing, the only thing that he passed through that made sense was uh, educational reform in the form of uh, increased funding for schools, increased uh, schooling for people with like special needs or yeah. gifted children, uh, increased salaries for staff, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is just generally a good common sense, generally a good uh, policy. But anyways, uh, he also uh, at the same time while in Arkansas, he made some very sketchy real estate development investments huh. um, through his governor office, like through his governorship, uh, <laughs> using some sketchy money that may not have been his mm. question mark question mark allegedly allegedly <laughs> um, that was investigated by the FBI. Uh, but magically, nothing ever came of it. Nothing ever touched mm. Clinton. Uh, but several of his buddies saw jail time as a result of it. But all of it was like, oh, no, 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 Clinton's inconclusive. So, uh, you know, uh, let's just bury this and uh, not open up the case. And anybody who gets on the case is uh, fired from investigating the case. It's just very yeah, convenient. Sounds above yeah, board yeah. to me. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Exactly. Let's move on. <laughs> Anyways, his first, I guess, foray on the national stage was uh, he gave uh, the nationally televised opening uh, night address to the Democratic National Convention in 1988, which who fucking watches this garbage, no. all right? I, uh, anyways, um, his speech that he gave, this is, this is his, like, you know, face to the nation. This is the first time that everybody across the country is seeing this dude's face. Mm-hmm. And he gives a 33-minute-long speech, twice the length, by the way, it's supposed to be. For, for something like this. It's supposed to be 15 minutes. He gave 33 minutes, and it was widely criticized for, I quote, being too long and poorly delivered. <laughs> he loser. thought it was Castro. He thought he could get up there with the fucking, you know, yeah. <laughs> with, 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 with the Caribbean charisma, but nah. Um, he forgot he was a white guy from Arkansas. <laughs> so, <laughs> All he can do is get up there and talk about the Tyson chicken yeah. plant. <laughs> exactly. You think, honestly, it's... Uh, let me... I... I listened to a part of it because I hate myself. Yeah. Um, and I'm not kidding you when I tell you it is as bad as claimed. Wow. He made like sports references, like to, to the low, like, you know, very bad, uh, like, oh, I'm just, I'm just like one of you guys yeah, 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 type yeah. of, yeah. you know, like, oh, the local football team just lost, but we'll get him again next time. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like he did one of those. I didn't study <laughs> at Oxford. No. <laughs> yeah. That's number one. For some reason, he went into like a eulogy of Kennedy and was like, oh, on this 25th anniversary of Kennedy's death. But it has nothing to do with Kennedy. This is, uh, And then afterwards, he did like what can, I can only describe as a, ra- a very bad and almost racist imitation of Martin Luther King. Ooh. You know, exactly the, 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 the I have a dream spe- speech. You know how Martin Luther King would like uh, prolong some of the words and yeah. really like bring it out from his chest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like a, like a preacher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. Like a preacher. Thank you. Exactly. Like a preacher is how he delivered it. And this dude is definitely not that, but he tried. Yeah. Like he saw and he was like, oh, people like this. Oh, no. <laughs> still so, looking for who Bill Clinton is. Yeah. yeah and it's just, and it's just, it falls. Fuck it. The only good thing, by the way, it's available on YouTube. By the way, comments are turned off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's available on YouTube. It has like 50,000 views. And the only reason 
that I would even recommend you watch it is because the people in the crowd, sometimes they pan over to them and you see the haircuts and the clothes that they have. And it just gives me a to- Toy Story 1 vibe, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was strangely comforting <laughs> <laughs> to see. <laughs> but anyways, moving on. Uh, he, he ran for president in 1992. Um, and uh, his presidential campaign was immediately bogged down by his uh, affair with a Jennifer Flowers. Jennifer spelled with a G rather than a J. Interesting. That is interesting. Um, but a Jennifer Flowers, who is a, a TV journalist, um, who looks exactly like Hillary Clinton. Like uh, she mm. looks exactly like if you were, to, if you're pause this, go look her up. Jennifer Flowers. Right. She is one to one to Hillary Clinton. And not to be crass or anything, but if you're going to cheat on your wife, what's the... Like, don't cheat on your wife. Don't do it. Okay? Wow, that is pretty close. Yeah. But if you're... What's, what was the point? What, like, anyways. <laughs> He's got a type. Maybe she was she was actually nice. So oh, maybe. Possibly. <laughs> he just wanted somebody to talk to who would tell him the truth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't, like, put him in a doggy cage every morning and fucking no. spank oh, him. God. Are don't you bad? Me, Have you been oh, a bad no, boy, d- Clinton? D- don't. Don't, please. Oh, fucking hell. Dude, my dad still makes, like, Clinton jokes. Um, <laughs> he's, and, and they're so crass. They're, they're so unpleasant. <laughs> but anyways, he, he denied, by the way. He denied his affair with this lady. Like, he, he had many affairs, and we'll get into those. Um, he denied it with her and, like, with all the other ladies that eventually came out that he was, in fact, unfaithful. And he did this on, like, during his on work time. Mm-hmm. He, uh, so he was getting paid by her tax money, tax money while he was getting his dick sucked in the governorship uh, office, which is... All Honestly... Right. Um, better than what most of our tax money is used for. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, you do have a point. (laughs) But uh, another issue that immediately came up was a conflict of interest uh, regarding his political position and his running for for office and whatnot, and something called the Rose Law Firm, which was a law firm in Arkansas that his wife, Hillary Clinton, was a partner of. Basically, uh, there was a a conflict of interest because she stood to gain uh, monetarily from his, his... uh, governorship, which by the way again was buried, not, not no solution came out of it. It yeah. was completely buried, like all of the other stuff. But anyways, uh, he somehow won the the election, which uh, by the way he won it with one fifth of the national electorate, which is <laughs> h- hilarious. Who who takes the U.S. political system seriously? I don't fucking know. Uh, his first few moments in power were we can call them rough. That's I think what we can yeah. say. And I'll quote you something. He said. His high level of public support uh, in the beginning post his uh, election dropped in the first few weeks and he made a series of mistakes. That's what they call it, a series of mistakes. His first choice for attorney general had not paid her taxes on babysitters and was forced to withdraw. His second appointee to replace her also withdrew because of the same reason. Oh my God. <laughs> what? I'm just, wait, you feel, like this seems like such a... What? Taxes on babysitters? Babysitters? What the fuck yeah, is that? Yeah, this is what it says. But not like verbatim. It says, had not paid her taxes on babysitters. That's so strange. <laughs> How much money do you have to rake up in babysitters that like they reach like a tax bracket that you have to meet? But aren't the babysitters <laughs> supposed to pay the taxes? I, I, I don't know. I guess. Because like, they're getting paid. Or maybe... <laughs> what? I don't know. We found don't the opening of a me. rabbit hole that no one has explored. There's something to yeah. this. We'll get to yeah, okay, it. We'll do a enough. whole episode on babysitter taxes. Exactly. This this will be the next, uh, what's it called, patron exclusive. Yeah. Anyways, um, so one of his, uh, I guess you can call it a banger program, according to liberals. <laughs> I shit you not. It's called the Family and Medical Leave Act of 1993, which was the first time 
in U.S. history where uh, a law required large employers to allow employees to take unpaid leave for pregnancy or serious medical conditions. Mm. Six <laughs> so, world countries. So, so prior to this, if you were if you had a quote unquote serious medical condition, you could not take unpaid leave. By the way, you're not being paid unpaid. Jesus right. If you're Christ. pregnant, you have to give pre- you have to give birth on the floor. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a. You'd cry if you, if you wouldn't laugh, right? Um, yeah. But following this uh, thing that liberals loved, um, because, you know, they have, I guess, one third of a soul or whatever the fuck that they can't manage to realize that this is something that's supposed to come built in with any civilized society. Clinton authorized military action during the Waco siege in Texas, mm. uh, killing 82 people, mostly civilians, and 28 children. Um, now, the Waco story was a big fucking wide thing. I'm not in the mood to get into it. But essentially, there were innocent people amongst in the event, right? The, the stuff that yeah. happened, yeah, there's some people who did some stuff. But there was a good chunk of people who were innocent people, specifically 28 kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they uh, set the entire building on fire and basically burned them alive. The U.S. military did this, by the way, and he authorized it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, so he did apparently try to pass universal health care in the U.S. Really? By, by some form. Yeah, apparently. Uh, and it was a big thing that he, pl- uh, like his platform was on and he campaigned on it. Uh, but this pl- plan was, and I quote, doomed by well-organized lobby opposition from conservatives, the American Medical Association and health insur- and, and the health insurance industry. Oh, sounds about right. Again, so a very vibrant democracy that you have, that a very popular program that people would democratically support and vote in favor of, if there were a referendum, gets stopped by private interests, particularly within capital. Mm. Um, Very, very uh, healthy society. If that wasn't enough, uh, later on, um, Clinton was involved in something called Troopergate. Now... (laughs) This was basically a controversy. Is that one of the first gates? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, after Watergate, the, then everything started being called fucking bullshit. I hate it so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, same, same. Yeah. Um, it's even he, gotten, I don't know if it's gotten to, like, uh, your area, Hakim. Because mm. here, for example, I remember in Serbia, there was apartment gate. Huh. There oh was aunt gate. One minister had, like, I don't know, 10 apartments in Canada owned by his aunt, and they called it <laughs> aunt gate. Come on. Fucking <laughs> legendary. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. But yeah, no, no, thankfully... Saddam Gate. <laughs> yeah, so, oh my God. Oh, fucking... But he had several, by the way, of these Gate blank bullshit, uh, mm. Clinton. They really were, you know, they they ran off with this stuff. But uh, Trooper Gate was a controversy. You won't fucking believe this shit. This, this is like if I was a bad writer, this is what I would write. Mm. Um, this is a, con- a controversy involving the Arkansas State Troopers, which but, uh, JT just explained for a foreign o- audience, which be- basically means me. Um, what the fuck is a state trooper? <laughs> Typically, a state trooper is just like a highway cop. Like you're gonna uh-huh. the ones with the hats, the yeah, the, the ones nice hats with, the and the mustache and the glasses. Yeah. They look like they should be riding a horse instead of driving one of their cruisers or I whatever. See. Yeah, all right. I mean, it looks kind of cool. It looks kind of cool. Like the little fascist <laughs> in me is like kind of looks. You know, it's still a cowboy, you know. But unfortunately, they embrace it. I think too much. Yeah, and they yeah. literally act like rogue oh, yeah. cowboys. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you know what the state troopers in Arkansas uh, claimed to have? Of course, all this is alleged. We we don't want to get hit with a uh. with a suit. Here, but uh, all this is alleged. But they claimed uh, that they, and I quote, had arranged sexual liaisons for Governor Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also <laughs> lied to his wife for him. Why? Yeah. So, <laughs> so when, apparently they were tasked with finding women that he would apparently find attractive enough, getting the numbers, finding the, like, a, 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 setting up the hotel rooms wow. for him to go meet his mistresses, uh, and at the same time lying to his wife about where he's at. Um, and making sure that she's not anywhere near where he's going to be when he's going to be cheating on her. 
and all that. Dude, this is this is next level organization for like cheating on your wife. How did this guy fucking get caught afterwards? How do yeah. we even read this? He adds state troopers probably spying on <laughs> Hillary to make sure she's nowhere even close to the hotel. Then separate actual uniformed persons going and finding sex workers and delivering yeah. it to his particular place. Like this is this this organized crime fucking mob mm. level shit. And yeah. yet we are still reading this out on a podcast. Fucking yeah. how big of a fail son are you brother yeah. Jesus Christ you, you, know, you know the best part about all this is for some reason every single picture I, I guess this is a leftover from like a boomer American culture and expectation for a political figure but uh, I'm not talking about his infidelity he's a piece of shit he shouldn't <laughs> be cheating on his wife uh, even even if she is a demon and a ghoul <laughs> I mean, he still shouldn't be cheating <laughs> on her but uh, whenever they mention his, his affairs or you know the shit that he was doing there's a, a very like low res mid 90s or early 90s uh, picture pixelated usually uh, of uh, like a Christmas postcard almost of huh. him and his wife by a fireplace and there's a Christmas tree and he's standing and she's sitting and he has her, his hand on her shoulder. It looks like a um, I don't know if you played Resident Evil One, but it looks like a Spencer Mansion, a Spencer Mansion, you know, like oh, portrait. Yeah. You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. like it, it looks like a, something from a Japanese video game. It doesn't look <laughs> real. It looks like what they think American politicians are like. It's That's funny. anyways. I mean, like the story for interrupting you, but literally yesterday, but they didn't like format it intentionally. Mm. I think so. It looks kind of. Yeah. Uh, relaxed the picture of Joe Biden uh, fixing up his tree with his wife in the Oval oh Office God. and they're like they, <laughs> they, the, the they main did. tweet was could you imagine Trump doing this mm. oh my god <laughs> uh. they, they photoshopped the, the, the strings away from fucking uh, <laughs> from Biden but um, just even ignoring that why was there a camera guy there and then it got posted on official pages like oh my god yeah. so casual you know mm. oh we're just doing this without any photo shoots but yeah. then there was a photo shoot. Stop, stop with Kurtz. What the fuck? Like, what? That's People are so, stupid. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they, they believe that the average American looking at them is tremendously stupid. And most of the time yeah. they're correct. <laughs> Lamar. Yeah. Average human, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to build up on, on this point a little bit. The, the state trooper uh, sexual liaison bit. Please um, do. It's fucking yeah. fascinating. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> fast. Oh, Lord. It, it's I mean, it's starting un- again. <laughs> but if you're putting in that much effort just to fucking yeah. cheat, then just put in some effort to get divorced. Like, what the... Yeah. Why? Right? Like, what? Uh, it's so irrational. It's, it's... It would have damaged uh, his political career probably in some way. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, it's unclear how truthful the, these state troopers were. Uh, but few of the women they, they named, they only gave the first names of these ladies. Uh, several of them did eventually come out. Uh, and they, their, their he storyline. He turned them gay? <laughs> he was oh that my bad? gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. <laughs> There's, they're, they're like, uh, the, the, the um, alibi or the stories that they gave basically lined up very well with uh-huh. what the state troopers were saying. One of these ladies was a, a woman called Paula Jones, who was a state employee. Uh, she sued Clinton for sexual harassment in 1994 in relation to this. Um, and this was very conveniently settled out of court for $850,000. Wow. Um, something an innocent man does, by yeah. the way. <laughs> no kidding. So, yeah. And something else also that's funny that I just found out during this this process. Almost all, if not all, of his former mistresses that are in the public eye still endorsed Trump in 2016 when, when Hillary ran. Oh, wow. <laughs> I guess, which is very, I just find very funny. Yeah. Um, aside from him trying to, you know, uh, cheat on his wife, uh, he got to work immediately after his presidency, uh, meddling in the uh, new so-called democracy in Russia after the legal dissolution of the Soviet Union. 
where he supported Yeltsin at every step. He basically fu- helped uh, introduce American funding and, and, and campaign help uh, for Yeltsin's uh, election meddling. Uh, they helped the, the, the Yeltsin basically click rig uh, several rounds of elections. Uh, in Russia, they gave them diplomatic cover during the constitutional crisis, all this, basically. So uh, he immediately got to, to, to work doing what America does best, which is interfering in other countries' uh, political and, and uh, legal systems. Moving on from this, on January 1st, 1994, Clinton signed uh, something called the North American Free Trade Agreement, uh, which is uh, shortened to NAFTA. I'm sure mm-hmm. people have heard of this. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, as a kid, I always... Because uh, uh, in Arabic, nafot is uh, oil. Uh, Same. Yeah. Instead of Croatian, NAFTA is just oil. Right. Yo, how so when, much does the NAFTA cost today? Oh my God, it's so expensive. Yeah, it's like exactly right. Word. So when I when I was a kid, I would hear, I would hear the term uh, NAFTA, and I was like, what, does this have something to do with oil? I know. I for some reason, even now, I understand what what NAFTA is, but be that connection in my mind to you know, yeah. like, it doesn't. It's, it's very, very strange. Uh, anyways, Same. Uh, but yeah, basically, uh, NAFTA created a free trade zone between Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. Interestingly, it's played a, you know, if, you, if you're into the world systems theory stuff, it's played a, a role in the systematic underdevelopment of Mexico for American gain. So basically Mexican uh, economic development and, 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 and uh, like labor force and, and, and uh, cheaper inputs, etc. are used to subsidize the American economy, essentially. And there's a good article or, or paper written on this titled Migration and Imperialism, the Mexican Workforce in the Context of NAFTA, which I, I recommend you, you read. Uh, it goes into some interesting details. Um, but moving on from this point, uh, he introduced something called the Among Us Crime Bill. It's called the Omnibus, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> so the Among Us Crime Bill. Uh, he signed it into law in September 1994, so just a couple of months later. And this saw arguably the largest increase in incarceration of mostly black people <laughs> in yeah. the vein of combating crime in the United States. It also introduced like uh, the death penalty for uh, nonviolent offenders of like uh, grave uh, crimes. And this included like... Uh, uh, drug offenses yeah. usually, which surprise surprise targeted mostly minorities and you know, again you know this, this, this shit always happens. This is are you surprised? He also passed a, an anti illegal immigrant bill with the usual nonsense. Uh, and in between all of this, he apparently stopped over in the Philippines and was almost assassinated by Bin Laden. Huh. <laughs> and there is one sentence I found about this where there there are sources, but I can't find any details. Apparently he they they always state that he narrowly escaped assassination. By Bin Laden, but there's no no follow through. No so they, they just blue ball you. Yeah, there's just there's, anyways. So yeah, I guess uh, Clinton uh, swung by Langley, and uh, <laughs> uh, Bin Bin Laden almost crashed into him with a I don't know like a. Um, well, what the fuck? What is it called in English? What? The, um, you have like a little cart where you have the a golf cart. Yeah, no, no, not the golf cart. The little cart where you um, want to move like files from one office to another. So you just have lots of like bo- binded files oh. and folders. Oh, what do you call uh, Like, hmm. Yeah, that thing, basically. Yeah. He, almost, he almost crashed into him when he was in Virginia. Uh, and uh, yeah. Probably called <laughs> Anyways, an office cart or a library cart, something like that. I don't most know. Most likely. We know yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> moving on. We're going to enter into the bigger, I guess, chunk of Clinton's uh, foreign policy uh, deal, which is uh, where most of his crimes most of his like you know major crimes are aside from him cheating on his wife which by the way i want people to not forget this yeah. dude has never skipped a moment to <laughs> on cheating on his wife from like the 70s up until probably last week this dude's been cheating on his fucking wife. Yeah. <laughs> and anyways um it and almost hey, makes uh, you like hillary like yeah. not like yeah. but feel sorry for her but yeah. then you remember hillary and you're yeah. like holy shit like, terrible. Like, hey, nobody she's, deserves she's... to be cheated on but then like hillary like okay you know if there's a list yeah. of people that deserve that. to be cheated on <laughs> Imagine being, imagine sitting at their coffee table. Fuck me, what an no. unpleasant, 
Um, just from the perspective of a little bit of karma, it doesn't matter like cheating on, like losing a finger, but at least yeah. some karma. Because Hillary is not gonna see any fucking karma in this lifetime. But they're, they're gonna, yeah, they're, gonna join, they're gonna join. They're gonna join Bush Senior and, and Kissinger. It's okay. Yeah. Inshallah. Anyways, <laughs> so during his tenure, um, something known as the block cock, uh, black cock down episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fucking throwback, baby! Yeah. <laughs> so, so black cock down is I I'm, I think a movie was made about it, people know, but yeah. basically two American helicopters were shot down. We by had an episode RPGs, about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they were shot down by RPGs over Mogadishu yeah. and in Somalia, um, and this resulted in some urban like you know back and forth and a uh, battle, I guess you can call it, uh, resulted in the deaths of 18 American soldiers uh, and wounded 73 others, and resulted in something like over a thousand civilian casualties or something in yeah. Somalia because wow. of American like subsequent yeah, yeah. like ridiculous because anyway. of Somalis as we talked in that episode just run and shout and <laughs> yeah. shoot like the sky yeah. and exactly. walls yeah <laughs> me uh throwback they, yeah, yeah no genuinely but uh it, this is part of the u.s intervention in somalia during the civil war at the time um and uh, they failed and this was a major like um what's it called a black mark on his uh, presidency at the time in the u.s mm. oh you lost american mi- military personnel blah blah it reminds me of that video of uh of american soldiers in mali was it when an american uh, convoy was ambushed and they all had uh, what's it called they all had um gopros mm. and uh, but basically they were all executed yeah. <laughs> like a, a call of duty cutscene style <laughs> and uh, it was released on twitter i think wow. afterwards I'm, i'll i'll i'll, I'll uh, keep my comments to myself on that on that event following this uh he authorized clinton authorized in the mid 90s uh, nato bombing of serbian targets during the bosnian war he would bomb Yugoslavia several times. Apparently, it was a favorite pastime of his. Uh, he bombed yeah. Yugoslavia again in the late 90s, including, by the way, accidentally striking the Chinese embassy in Belgrade. Yeah. Oops. Uh, in and May TV of stations, trains, yeah. people's houses. Yeah. Literally all of the industry, most of it also yeah. industry that actually feeds people. Just mm-hmm. classic stuff like that. Accidentally hitting, like, the main cigarette factories. And then, yeah. oh my God, Philip crime. Morris comes in and buys all of it. You know, yeah, just yeah, classic yeah. stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Any industry that, you know, the, some of the capital areas of the mm. previously socialist Yugoslavia had managed to develop, no matter what you think about the particular war. Yeah. Literally annihilating civilian infrastructure, but okay. And let me not even start about how many children got killed, but that's a different yeah, topic. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, American pastime, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, he then went on to lay out, and this this really needs to be its own episode, because yeah, you can go on a fucking... You can go on the deepest rabbit hole on this shit, but basically Clinton uh, continued uh, a Bush-laid plan titled the Dual Containment Strategy uh, following this. Uh, now, the Dual Containment Strategy was a, um overarching American approach towards, quote-unquote, containing both Iraq and Iran, specifically Ba'athist Iraq and the, uh, quote-unquote, revolutionary, quote-unquote, Iran. In 1994, specifically, Clinton was this is the first time he declared Iran as a state sponsor of terrorism and a rogue state. Blah blah, all this bullshit. Um, and he gave executive executive orders, by the way, so he doesn't have to go through the you know go through the entire process. He gave executive orders to heavily sanction uh, Iran's oil industry. He banned almost all trade between U.S. companies and the Iranian government. Basically, a Cuba style embargo mm. uh, was placed on Iran. Uh, Iraq was dealt a far worse hand, by the way, across the board, and we'll get into that in a second. But at the same time, as he was trying to punish. 
the Iranian government, in February 1996, the Clinton, the Clinton administration specifically, agreed to pay Iran something like $130 million in a settlement to dis discontinue an Iranian claim to the International Court of Justice against the U.S. The reason is because in 1989, uh, the, a U.S. Navy ship f uh, shot down a civilian uh, charter, like a plane, mm, yeah. uh, Air Flight 655, killing over 270 civilians or something. This was just a regular civilian flight going between uh, Tehran to Abu Dhabi, I think, or, or Dubai, something like that, to the Emirates, essentially. Um, and the Navy uh, missile basically detected and they shot it down. Killing all these uh, innocent people, basically just civilians. Why? Why the fucking U.S. has aircraft carriers in like around in and around the Gulf of Hormuz? After this, the Iranian government went to the Court of Justice, International Court of Justice, obviously, because this was very illegal and fucked up. Yeah. Um, but they basically settled, quote unquote, out of court by being by paying one hundred and thirty million dollars, roughly. If you were to read, by the way, into the dual containment strategy, this is just to get people's um, interest uh, sparked in this. A whole uh, like uh, framework was developed for this shit, and one of the things that was uh, like a, a consequence uh, of the dual containment strategy was the development of a parallel program called a clean break. Which let me let me just read you the subtitle of this: a new strategy for securing the the realm. Now, huh. if this sounds like a D and D <laughs> fucking thing, yeah. then sure. But what it is is basically a uh, Broadway delivery or script for how you can maximize the instability within the, you know, mm. uh, West Asia, North African region, um, and specifically to the benefit of, of the illegal settled settle colonial entity in the region. And if you, by the way, if you read it, it's almost like point for point what's happening now. And like, you can go down such a huge rabbit hole. We're not going to do this today, but uh, yeah, uh, very, very evil. Uh, regardless, following his bullshit with Iran, and after he paid, uh, I believe in 1996, after he paid this uh, several hundred million uh, dollars, he went on to uh, give his State of the Union address. I believe this is in 1998 he did this. And he warned uh, American Congress that uh, Saddam Hussein in Iraq was building an arsenal of chemical and biological and nuclear weapons, and we need to stop, and we need to blah, 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 blah. Funnily enough, this was basically around his affair scandal and w w the shit with Monica Lewinsky was going on. So what he was trying to do was he, he was trying to <laughs> basically distract the media from his controversies by increasing sanctions and bombing civilian Jesus. infrastructure in Iraq. So a very upstanding citizen this dude was. Following um, a, a kind of like rocky re-election campaign, I would say, where he managed to get re-elected, um, but he was, of course, less popular than he was originally. Um, in 1996, he was accused of being a... And you can't make this up. Only fucking Americans can be like this. I'm sorry to say, JT. <laughs> he was accused of being a Chinese asset. Yeah. Like, a, like, you know, like, oh, red China. Chinese asset. Uh, because some Taiwanese nationals contributed to his campaign and defense funds during his, imp oh during his impeachment. But everybody blamed the People's Republic of China for it. And to this day... <laughs> It's still the, but it was Taiwanese people. <laughs> it was not. I love it. It was not me, like <laughs> Anyways, um, we're number on, one, baby. Oh. That's why we're number one. Exactly right. He was reelected uh, in 1996, uh, and uh, like a small scandal followed, where basically p people found out that he was renting out the Lincoln bedroom in the White House as an Airbnb for donors. So if you were <laughs> to give a certain amount of money, you can go and sleep in the Lin Lincoln bedroom, yes. and you can go on a morning run with fucking Clinton, and you can have breakfast with him, and it's just stupid, like you know, um, like Patreon perks. Yeah. <laughs> <Essentially>. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking. We we had true representation in office back then. Pa mm. Patron bros uh, running for office. <laughs> exactly right. 
So after a House inquiry, uh, Clinton was eventually impeached on December 19th, 1998. Um, the House of Representatives were the ones to, to, to carry this out. And this impeachment was based uh, basically on him illegally lying about uh, and, of course, covering up his relationship with uh, Monica Lewinsky, who was a White House employee at the time, who was 22 years old. And he had his affair with her when he was 52. Mm. Um, everybody knows about the cigar and everything else. I'm not going to fucking go really too far into it. Um, he realized that his days are numbered, so uh, he's going to get impeached. So on his last day in, uh, in office, officially, on January 20th, 2001, uh, he decided that he needs to go out with a bang. So he pardoned uh, a guy named Mark Rich, who was the founder of um, a mining and like commodity training conglomerate called the Glencore. Uh, now, this guy was indicted in the United States on, and JT, I want you to count these, federal charges of tax evasion, wire fraud, racketeering, oil deals with Iran, <laughs> and like illegal oil deals, quote unquote, um, particularly during the Iran hostage crisis, which in a weird way constitutes also treason at the time. Um, so this guy was like at least five major, yeah. major, like, you know, federal level crimes. And on uh, Clinton's last day in office, he decides to pardon this dude, who, by the way, was a buddy of his. He also went on, on the same day, to pardon several other uh, buddies of his who took the fall for his real estate shenanigans earlier yeah. when he was an Arkansas governor. Mm. Uh, a bunch of other inner circle people also uh, caught sentences and were given pardons on the same day. Funnily enough, that, of course, that's what you do on your last day in office. Yeah. Um, you uh, know, nothing's going to gonna happen to you. Like, as soon as you're out of office, yeah. literally the second you're out of office, people only care about the next mm. person. Ugh. Yeah, exactly right. So that's what he did. Anyways, uh, after leaving office, uh, he claimed... <laughs> Funnily enough, he claimed to have opposed the Iraq war from the start. Yes, the the place that he sanctioned to ship and bombed and everything else. Then he went on to be like, uh, you know, the like exactly like Obama did afterwards. Like, oh, yeah. you know, no, we need to practice moderation on the international stuff. This nonsense, he went on that fucking speaking tour. Um, he claimed that, yeah, he was neutral and opposed to it from the start. Um, in 2009, Clinton went to North Korea, of all places. He went to the DPRK hmm. because two dumb fuck American journalists um, went. Uh, uh, I'm going to name and shame these people. Yuna Lee and Laura Ling. Um, these two people basically tried to sneak in illegally through the Chinese border into the DPRK mm. to try to get some, oh, secret hermit kingdom fucking, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, the DPRK allows documentary groups to enter into it. Like, you just need to contact them. Yeah. You can go and be a tourist. It's not, so instead of that, uh, they decide to illegally break the law of, of a already, you know, like sensitive country because of the geopolitical and, and the security situation in the area they are working for a foreign government specifically they try to get footage of things they're not supposed to illegally by the way uh, jt go, don't do this but i'm just gonna say <laughs> go and try to take uh, go and, and film like you know uh closed off military installations in the u.s see where the fuck you're gonna end up oh it um, doesn't even need a you, mil military operation we yeah. when we were shooting our documentary on, on the marshall islands and we came back to yeah where all the Marshallese are immigrating to, which is a little town in Arkansas, funnily enough, mm. um, where we went to the Tyson Chicken Factory uh, plant mm. thing. And we it was a big complex with a big fence around it. And so mm. we, we just drove by, and I was pointing the camera out the window, and a, a, one of their rent-a-cops zooms out of there and follows us and like pulls us over and, and, and like demands to see mm. the camera and stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> it uh, doesn't need to be a military yeah. uh, installation here. Yeah. Exactly right. So these two idiots end up getting caught, obviously, because they don't know what the fuck they're doing uh, in the DPRK. And then it becomes like a little diplomatic thing. And Clinton goes over there in 2009. I don't know why they sent Clinton over, mm. um, but they did. Uh, and uh, basically, he met with Kim Jong-il and they, discuss they discussed a bit. And then Kim issued a pardon to, to them. And then they were sent back to the U.S. There's a bunch of other... 
uh, things I'll get into, but I, the, the final bit I'm, I'm saving because I, I want the dessert for last, but I just want you to know how much money this dude's made uh, off of his uh, many, many war crimes uh, and cheating on his wife again. Mm. <laughs> it, it does pay, apparently. In 2016, Forbes reported that Bill and Hillary Clinton together have made about $240 million wow. in the past 15 years, from 2001 to 2015, roughly, so 14 and a half years. They made this mostly from paid speeches, um, quote-unquote business consulting, quote-unquote. Mm. I don't know what the fuck that means. They're the yeah. lawyers. Yeah. And uh, book writing. Um, the Clintons, to, this is based on, I believe, their tax returns. The Clintons made $109 million from 2000 to 2007. $109 wow. million from 2000 to 2007. Just from, and I quote, speaking fees and publications. Who the fuck buys a book written by Bill Clinton? Or fucking <laughs> Hillary Clinton, for that matter. Who the fuck? Liberal theory? What the fuck? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, guys uh, that want to cheat on their wife and want to do it very poorly oh, yeah. <laughs> and do not have yeah. the money or the resources to organize the way he did. Yeah. Uh, they need a, Imagine they need buying a... and he's like, what? State troopers? Hire state troopers? What the fuck is this guy talking about? Oh. I'm like, I can't do this shit. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Oh. My God. He's like, bomb a sanctioned third world country to hide, to, to uh, run interference for your... <laughs> your infidelity anyways he apparently charges between two hundred thousand and one million uh dollars per per speech which is you know a very uh, very nice um, little sum for an hour's work jesus yeah now i want you to to enjoy the final segment which is titled by the way on his wikipedia page specifically the most not everywhere else they try to kind of uh cover not cover this up but uh reword it in a very nice way uh but the most transparent quote i've seen is on wikipedia and it's titled relationship with jeffrey uh, jeffrey epstein (laughs) (laughs) so basically uh from the early 2000s onwards uh clinton took several flights uh on his on jeffrey epstein's private jet uh to, to the you know the island in question um in 2002 uh one of Clinton's spokes uh, people basically uh, rained praise on Epstein, calling him a committed philanthropist with insight and generosity. Uh, Epstein is believed to have visited Clinton while he was president in the White House at least seventeen times. Wow! Uh, uh, the, the best part about it is when you know the the shit happened and the the sex trafficking charges came out and whatnot. Like immediately, uh, Clinton's PR team fucking rushed to to put out the oh, President Clinton knew nothing about the terrible yeah. crimes that he did. Uh, sure. We were never associated. And then they start breaking. They're like, oh no, he only took four trips on his airplane. One was to Just Europe, four. one to Asia. Yeah, and and two in Africa. Uh, in accordance with what's it called some bullshit foundation that clinton has called the clinton foundation and apparently you know they're they're trying to be like oh you know we were on top of everything uh he didn't speak to to epstein afterwards he hasn't spoke to him in like 15 years uh unsurprisingly they lied (laughs) about all this um clinton wasn't didn't uh what's it called uh go only four times he's been on trips with epstein on that particular plane, 26 times. Wow. Um, <laughs> he's met uh, Epstein in all of his like major offices, essentially. Uh, he attended uh, dinners with him. Of course, all of this was like covered up uh, eventually. Uh, and Clinton also had been uh, to to the island, uh, allegedly. Again, blah, 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 allegedly, yeah, reportedly, yeah. whatever other fucking term we need to use. Um, several times between uh, 2002 and 2005. And by the way, of course, several people who were involved in that, you know, if you want to call it a scandal or crime, I don't know what you want to call it, particularly naming Clinton uh, in this sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm not so sure uh, you want to trust the word of a guy who has systematically and repeatedly, you know, shown himself to be a sex pest, essentially. Mm. (laughs) Um, Now, dude, don't even go that deep into the analysis. If you have a friend that you hung out, let's say, 10 times with this dude... 
hang out 26 times with this person. After the 10th time, especially between men, you know everything that's wrong with this motherfucker, okay? Mm. Eventually, everything is shared. So him not knowing exactly what the fuck uh, Epstein was doing after having interacted with him for so long and even spent multiple days together with this particular person and pretty much having access to all the fucking intelligence data on planet Earth as an mm-hmm. ex-president uh, should tell speak a few fucking volumes. I mean, Bill sounds naive, but nobody is that fucking naive. Mm-hmm. Baba Marta from fucking, uh, I don't know, niche Serbia, if she interacted with Epstein like three times, she would fucking know yeah. what the fuck is going on. Exactly. So it's, it's just, it's fucking stupid yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. make arguments that he didn't know exactly what's up. If not even participated in those particular things, which disgust me so much i won't even mention them i'll i'll leave you off with the final thing uh which is uh number one you know the famous image where where obama's putting a medal on obama oh yeah um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's clinton who's actually in the original image um and that's just a you know i mean of course it's a fucking edit like a it's a clever photoshop no no no. obama duplicated himself for the fucking <laughs> thing you know what i'm saying yeah but much more importantly and this is a, a gift for me to our lovely baby boy you got me <laughs> In uh, Kosovo, uh, in Pristina, in the capital, there is a Bill Clinton Boulevard with yep. a uh, monumental <laughs> Clinton statue, uh, which yep. uh, uh, and then a uh, picture uh, of Clinton behind him, also on on a building. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect place for him to retire to. Uh, like. Absolutely ideal. I mean, it's it's getting depopulated so quickly that no matter what you yeah. think about the war, you know, they Americans always come in and encourage you to fight against your enemy, who is very often your your neighbor. Sometimes because the neighbors did something wrong, but sometimes mm. because you know you're just inspired to. And then after the war ends, what do they do? They just fucking leave you to your own fucking devices, which is exactly what happened to Kosovo, which is literally yeah. a fucking demographically dying state in every sense of the world. Let me not even talk economically, but no, you know, he has this fucking statue there. So he can go and feel comfortable one day. But I will. I will also want you to. You're missing the most important thing in in, in this, which is this this the place where he has a statue. It, they call it a boulevard, but what it looks like, the, it looks like the middle of like a uh, like a panel uh, like a commie block uh-huh. community. Yeah. Um, and the his statue has been shat on by so many birds that <laughs> the enti- it, it, it's all white now, basically, from t- his shoulders and his head and everything. I don't think it's ever been fucking cleaned. And the American flag that's waving right beside it is also brown now. Nice. From, uh, so um, what a lovely legacy for... <laughs> yeah, quite a metaphoric. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Quite the thing. And I wonder when if like, uh, like a Republican president uh, visits, are they going to hide it or something? Yeah. Um, it, it would be interesting. Or like make sure they go through all the streets except that particular street. Could be, <laughs> could be an interesting thing to see. When, when, you go, when you go on Bill Clinton Boulevard on Wikipedia, they have a bunch of images of it. And the final image is basically the, the Boulevard Street. Uh, and uh, instead of naming the street, it just says Olympus Digital Camera in all caps. <laughs> 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 uh, and of course, it's a white BMW. It's the the car in the, fore, the foreground is a white BMW. Yeah, that's rare. Alban- yeah. My Albanian brothers all drive Mercedes. That uh-huh. is that is a betrayal. It's probably an American car too. I suppose. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, immediately noticed them. But speaking of, I guess uh, fail sons. Uh, 
it's kind of my time for my section. We'll be talking about a particular person called James Buchanan Jr. He's uh, really competing for the position of the biggest fail son of all American presidencies and one of the most uh, uh, openly bipartisan hated uh, politician in the country's history. Not particularly for the things he has done, but mostly for, for things that he has not done. But as we'll see as we go through the story, all also uh, things that he has uh, full-heartedly uh, endorsed. Uh, we have kept him for last, but that doesn't mean least. No, actually, it absolutely means least. <laughs> this guy is so fucking underwhelming. I almost changed my mind about who I want to cover <laughs> midway through his fucking career, but I was too deep in it at that point uh, to uh, to go back, so uh, let's actually get it started. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll probably continue continuously mispronounce his name because to my like uh, Slavic brain it, it's difficult to properly pronounce it so I'll uh, intentionally take that as a thing and continuously mispronounce it don't think it's uh, uh, don't think that you shouldn't uh, f- fix my pronunciation or whatever the fuck sure. so let's start with James Buchanan Buchanan <laughs> uh, fuck me uh, J- I, I, would, you, start. would you like J- to hear James it Buchanan. Buchanan Buchanan right Buchanan Buchanan Buchanan. Buchanan, James Buchanan, yeah. James Buchanan Jr. was born in Pennsylvania. Oh, wait, now it's <laughs> jumping to the other shit. I'm kidding. In Pennsylvania. Both of his parents were of Ulster Scott descent, with his father having emigrated from Ireland in 1783, which continues uh, the true anti-Irish uh, argument that I've always proposed, <laughs> which is that uh, it's actually the Irish who rule the world, especially their emigrants. Uh, after moving to a farm near Merkesburg, and later into the town, uh, Buchanan's uh, father became the wealthiest resident, working as a merchant farmer and real estate investor. Buchanan attended the Old Stone Academy in the town and Dickinson College uh, over in Pennsylvania, where he almost got kicked out for bad behavior. So he was a very bad boy in his oh. early days, very rebellious. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, he moved to the state capital and worked under some of the most influential lawyers of the time. Remaining in Lancaster, throughout his life, Buchanan uh, quickly rose in income through his legal practice, earning quite a bit of money in the process. Buchanan's political career began with the Federalist Party, which I didn't even fucking know existed, (laughs) and he served in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, which he mostly used to gain more clients instead of actually governing, you know, a proper socialite. Uh, In addition to his legal and political pursuits, Buchanan was a Freemason, Serving as the master of the Masonic Lodge Number Forty Three in Lancaster, so all you conspiracy theorist guys out there, you've probably fucking erected <laughs> this fucking fact. Uh, he served as the district deputy grandmaster of the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania later on. Uh, he moved into uh, serving as a private in uh, the War of 1812 against the English, marking him as the only actually U.S. president who ever served a non-officer role in 
a war. One would think huh. that would teach him some humility and understanding of uh, suffering and destruction, but as we will see, no. In 1820, our boy got elected into the House of Representatives, where through his career development, he settled in the growing niche of self-defined, quote, states' rights defenders. Love quote it. for non-Americans uh, is, you know, basically slavers' rights defenders, just FYI. Similarly, how uh, the game is played nowadays in Washington, like the picturing of the only Palestinian American representative as an extremist radical, James and his clique of, uh, of that time use the same titles to address their colleagues from the North who put forward ideas of abolishment. During President Jackson's second term, uh, our boy got a pretty sizable promotion and was an ambassador to Russia for a whole 18 months. Wow. Upon returning, he was put in the U.S. Senate, where he fully embraced his role as a professional centrist, what we would <laughs> call it today, obviously back then not. So this, prepare yourself, is a story of the political career of a centrist who pretty much led to one of the bloodiest battles ever fought on the North American continent. While being fervently against abolitionists on the argument of individual states' rights, he still fought against a gag rule sponsored at the time, which would pretty much make any anti-slavery petition illegal. Mm. Mind you, he likely didn't do this out of his principal stance of free speech, but because he strategically believed it would just bolster the enemy's cause. He served as a Secretary of State under President Polk, not to be confused with Polak, which is a nation, <laughs> contributing to the significant expansion of U.S. territory. After the Mexican-American War, he quietly sought the Democratic presidential nomination, but was not really even selected inside of the party. Buchanan then became the U.S. minister, uh, nowadays called ambassador, to the United Kingdom where he focused on a joint control of a Central American canal and explored, I kid you not, yeah, the annexation of Cuba. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this will turn into quite like a big thing for him. Yeah. I, I couldn't really find why Cuba, but he was just like, man, it's close, you know. His involvement <laughs> in the controversial Ostend Manifesto, proposing fighting the Spanish even for Cuba in case they didn't want to sell it, undermined both the ideology of what we all, dear listeners, should know, uh, Manifest Destiny at that time, as well as the current presidential at that time, again, administration. Basically, it was a tad bit too radical to swallow by people who were dealing with internal contradictions at the time, especially on the topic of slavery, to want to go and fight the Spanish for Cuba. Like, what the fuck? Mm. So, yeah, very interesting ideas for this gentleman. Uh, he continued to serve uh, abroad... Uh, uh, as the U.S. Uh, minister to the U.K., which conveniently kept him away from the heated debates surrounding the now ultra-intensifying slavery dispute back on the continent. Uh, while not overtly seeking the presidency, he reluctantly... Uh, reluctant, I love how they're always reluctant. Mm, yeah. This is a mm. quote from his fucking biography. He reluctantly accepted the movement on his behalf. The 1856 Democratic National Convention reflected Buchanan's view in its platform advocating for an end to anti-slavery agitation that was basically
Weekly's platform, uh, fuck the libs who are continuously talking that uh, this slavery shit is not that cool. Yeah. He eventually secured the nomination on the 17th ballot with support from many influential senators. Although he didn't like actively campaign, Buchanan somehow won 45% of the popular vote <laughs> and decisively secured the electoral vote, carrying every uh, slave state except uh, Maryland and five free states, including Pennsylvania. In his victory speech, Buchanan denounced Republicans as a dangerous and geographical party pledging to restore harmony and destroy sectionalism. Upon his election, this dude immediately started taking massive, disgusting L's. He jumped on a pending Supreme Court case uh, called Dred Scott versus uh, Sanford, which he thought he could use as a kind of precedence to exclusively and quickly settle the whole debate which has been lasting for quite a while on slavery itself. Uh, in the so-called Dred Scott uh, case, a slave temporarily taken to a free territory sought freedom upon return to the slave state. Following Buchanan's speech, uh, the Supreme Court ruled against uh, Dred Scott, uh, favoring his owner and doing everything but ending this debate, quite to the contrary, that shit at this point caught on fire. Mm. There are sources claiming that the president knew how the case was going to finish as it was going. So he was totally up for giving promises of you know stability to the masses and elites, especially during his, uh, his initial... Um, position in government. Funny enough, as I said previously, most historians agree that this was kind of the butterfly that tipped over the train hanging over the cliff in Uncharted mm -hmm. 2, a PlayStation 3 classic, that eventually <laughs> led to the Civil War. My favorite part about history kind of is seeing its patterns so clearly repeat even today. Yeah. Uh, Bukachoni right here is literally the 19th century version of today's politicians that call for less division and more bipartisan understanding while quite literally only standing for the worst fucking demonic ideas yeah. of the so-called two-side divide. Later on, he oversaw a massive financial catastrophe, which he handled semi-shit using the classic reform over relief tactic, also known today, if uh, I may say so myself, as austerity. Mm. Despite his uh, quasi-efforts, he still ended up increasing the deficit of the country to 17 million by the end of his rule, which uh, adjusted to inflation is a lot of money. Uh, later on, he proceeded over the Utah War, which was, I don't know, so American that I don't think I even understood it. Like some <laughs> militia dudes were like, hell nah, we ain't taking immigrants from Arkansas. So the president <laughs> sent the army to Utah. So those Utah dudes did some literal terrorism. So the president settled through like private arbitrage and then gave them amnesty and they let another senator come rule Utah. Like, what the fuck? Okay. Yank thing. I'm not judging. <laughs> uh, moving on in foreign policy, he continued, you know, really wanting to buy or annex Cuba. He set up protectorates in Mexico and uh, even uh, he wanted to buy Alaska from the Russians, which turns out he was just uh, too early for. Mm -hmm. uh, keep, keeping his promise not to seek re-election, he witnessed the 1860 Democratic National Convention where Stephen A. Douglas won that particular nomination, which, uh, as many of you probably 
probably know, following that, the Democratic Party actually quite literally split with Southern Democrats nominating a different dude because, well, you can't have a Northern representative of the party right before a potential civil war starts. Mm. Fighting divided and confused uh, Democrats totally, so a Republican, Abraham Lincoln, ended up winning. Before Lincoln's inauguration, Buchanan ignored warnings about potential secession from uh, people who actually told them that this is going to happen, particularly uh, by General Winfield Scott. The southern states' secession threatened the Union, and Buchanan, in his final speech to Congress, denied the right of states to secede, but insisted that the federal government lacked the power to prevent it. Mm. He blamed the North's interference with southern slavery for the crisis. So, Bunch of motherfuckers are seceding and they're saying we don't give a fuck about if uh, certain changes to the Constitution are going to be put forward. And who do we blame that on? The actual guys who are questioning the current status quo. Brilliant centrist behavior. Mm. Buchanan proposed constitutional amendments protecting slavery and met with South Carolinian commissioners but failed to prevent further secession. So these guys were constantly talking about secession. He constantly kept giving them shit. And they... And afterwards, he would go and he would be like, yo, please don't secede. And they would take the shit he would give them, but still say, fuck off, fail, son. We are going to secede. Despite efforts, six more slave states seceded by January 1861. Buchanan replaced uh, the Southern cabinet, uh, cabinet now too late with uh, members who are hardcore unionists. And when considering surrendering Fort, uh, Fort Sumter, his new cabinet members threatened resignation, leading... Uh, Buchanan to pretty much relent even on this tiny decision. Buchanan's presidency concluded with the nation on the brink of civil war, a crisis that would be inherited by his successor, Abraham Lincoln. Intellectuals tend to pose a question of why, I don't know, an experienced and intelligent president such as this felt so miserably, which led arguably to the biggest war on U.S. territory. But that's exactly why they're fucking missing the point. By representing the professional politician who believe that we can all get along and that the status quo can continue indefinitely, he showed not only incredible political naivety, but a deranged, vanilla-coated view of how states, governments, and ideologies develop. History is a moving bulldozer getting heavier and heavier as we fill it with the stones of contradiction and hypocrisy, rolling down the hill with many drivers fighting over who gets to hold it. This struggle is eternal and never-ending. Pretending that there's no bulldozer or no way to steer it is arguably the worst, most violent thing you can do. Mm. But I guess, seeing as our boy was a supporter of slavery, his failure to act in total support for the separatists might kind of been the best thing he ever did. Mm. I genuinely think uh, Buchanan, Buchanan, whatever the fuck his name should be, forgotten, similar to my girl uh, Melania, <laughs> Trump's wife nowadays, really, really, really just didn't want to be there. Uh, oh, yeah. And also, he was never married, only U.S. bachelor president, huh. a hard contrast to our previous boy. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, there you have it, everybody. Three equally interesting presidents, <laughs> I would say. Clearly, I think there's one very interesting and then two uh, two footnotes. But beautifully said, boys, as usual. I think this was an excellent third edition of our... Uh, of Second! Our All Presidents Are War Criminals series. If you like this, do tune in next time. We love making these. Um, we like making all these episodes for you people. It's big thanks, especially to our Patreon supporters. We could not do this without you guys. We really, truly appreciate all the kind words you, you drop in the in the Discord, on the Patreon, and, of course, the financial support. It really does help keep us independent, and we love you for it. Mm. Mwah. Big kisses all around. Mwah. With all that being said, this has been The D Program. I'm JT. I'm Hakeem. And I'm Yugopnik. Don't cheat on your wife. Yeah, literally what I was going to say. And then bomb your act, please. (laughs)